business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business and People podcast. I'm your host, Walt Bellis. Today, I'm super excited to have on the show with me a serialpreneur. Now, that's somebody that starts multiple businesses and is addicted to the process in which I love that energy that she brings to the room. She's currently chasing her MBA with a focus on entrepreneurship. She's a speaker all around the world. She is the brains and the beauty behind LillianEve.com. She's a real estate uh, investor. She's a real estate speaker. And she is an incredible human and an amazing woman. It is my great pleasure to introduce Miss Teray Holmes. Hi, Teray. Nice to have you on the show. Hey, Walter, I was trying to see who you were actually introducing there. <laughs> That's nice, right? I, I always say to my guests before we start, I'm going to give you the world's greatest introduction. And before, when, when I'm talking to you, as you know, when I'm reaching out to people to be on the show, I say, look, I'm going to promise to make you look really good. And the reason for that is because you are really good. I, I love entrepreneurs. I love people who are taking that action and that step. And that's why it's such an exciting thing for me to intro you like that, because every single word of that is true. How did this all come together for you, Teray? Oh my God. So thank you again for that introduction, because that was amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, so yes, I am. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I come from a family, a long line of entrepreneurs. Um, I got the bug from my grandfather, who was an entrepreneur when I was growing up. He owned his own trucking business and I just watched him and I watched the freedom he had in entrepreneurship. And as a young girl, I really didn't understand what I was saying. But what I knew for certain was that my grandfather was able to set his own schedule. Mm. He was able to spend time with his family when he chose to. And he was able to leave his job and not ask anyone for permission. Yeah. And I remember the reason why that was just so vivid to me. My mom is one of nine children and don't tell anyone, but she's his favorite. <laughs> okay. All right. This girl. And so my mom, I remember growing up, especially like in the summertime, we would go to my grandfather's job. We would just pop in. Maybe she had to pick something up from him or whatever. And I remember that my grandfather could just, he would just stop what he was doing and take us out for ice cream. Isn't that and cool? That was just like major to me. And as a kid, you don't really get that he's the boss. Yeah, right. right. He's the boss. And that was um, something that I was just so impressed by, by so for so many years. And it was later as I got older that I started to understand my grandfather runs this business. He's the boss. Ironically enough, about two years ago, um, I was going through a divorce and my grandmother had just passed his wife. And I lived with him for about six months. Wow. And that was the most time I had ever spent with my grandfather. It was just the two of I actually lived in one of his houses. He didn't live there, but he would come and check in on me. And I learned at that time his real entrepreneurial journey. He dropped out of high school when he was, he dropped out of school when he was in about the eighth grade. He only had an eighth grade graduation from Arkansas. Wow. And he had nine children. And at the age of 40 years old, he had been working as a delivery person, um, delivering for different, you know, trucking companies. He was a truck driver basically. Mm. And he was so exceptional at what he did that people would say, Bob, his name was Robert and they would call him Bob. Bob, listen, if you ever decide to start your own business, let me know. So at 40 years old, he started his own business. And in less than, I think he told me, um, in less than like two years, he was making a thousand dollars a day. 
Wow. This was in the eighties and he was making a thousand dollars a day, basically hiring up, hiring out other truck drivers. And this was before, you know, social media and all this fancy marketing that we have today. And, and this was a man who had an eighth grade education from Arkansas could barely read and write to be honest. So I just got the bug naturally. My mom is an entrepreneur. Several of my family members are entrepreneurs and I just, I just have it in my bones. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, I love that story. Just being able to, to uh, be a, a, what you would consider to be a menial job, driving a, a delivery driver and then yeah. to turn that around and achieve the freedom, as you said, is, is just absolutely stunning. So Tere, have you, have you always had your own businesses or did you start as an employee and kind of work yourself to that freedom? I have always, 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 even when I was an employee, I always had a business on the side. Is that right? You had a side hustle? Yes, always. When I was in college, I had a business. I, I don't tell anybody this either. I was selling like knockoff handbags in college. Yeah. I was selling knockoff t-shirts that, that we would get from New York City. I was selling this stuff in college. And at one point, um, I was selling like candy. My grandmother, you know, would send me candy to sell and I would make money off of that. Like um, when I was in high school, actually I went back to high school. When I was in high school to get my hair done at the time, because black women are very serious about their hair. I understand. I understand. <laughs> hair done. I would go to the wholesale candy store. I would buy packs of candy bars and um, uh, chips and things and suckers. And I would buy a pack of candy bars for a dollar fifty, and I would sell. It would be a, a pack of six, and I would sell each one for a dollar. So that was four fifty. Oh profit. my I goodness! This for real. <laughs> wow, that's so impressive. So I did that first in high school. Then in college, I was selling like like I said, clothing items and things of that nature, and and like um, some candies. And then I started doing a cleaning business, and I quickly realized that I hated cleaning people's houses. So I quit that immediately. Yeah. But I always, when I was teaching full time, um, I was teaching full time as a fifth, sixth grade teacher, and I was a college professor part time, and I had a business where I was speaking on the circuit as well as I had a business called Drama Smarts and I was sending teaching artists out into the schools to teach reading, writing and speaking skills through drama. So wow. I had three, I had two jobs and a business. Wow. So I've always had this bug. I've always had multiple businesses and it's been since about 2015 that I haven't worked for anyone. And that is not to say that it has been like smooth selling and that I've had tremendous success. It's just that I'm passionate about what I do and I've been tweaking what I do um, and it's just, you know, at some point you just become, some of us become unemployable yeah. and that's just how I became. Yeah. I, I, I acknowledge that because I put myself in that same bracket as unemployable. We've, we've, uh, had our own business. I, I haven't worked for anyone else for, well, n just over a decade, I think. And you, you know, we've had amazing, we've had amazing months and we've had terrifying months, um, and big mistakes that have nearly sent us under, but, but never once have I ever thought, Oh, I need to go back and get a job. I just, I could never do that. So the, the phrase unemployable, I relate to that completely. Um, so during this time, you're, you're working two jobs, you know, and both of those jobs are demanding, you, you know, college professor, a K to 12 teacher, um, you, you have to put your heart and soul into that. And you're running a business on the side. Did you ever think to yourself, my goodness, I've taken on too much? I thought to myself, my goodness, you are crazy. Wow. Yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? My colleagues would laugh at me because I used to walk around and this was before we had like AirPods and things of that nature. Um, and we had like regular headphones, but I would walk around the school with this headphone that like went across like this and then had like a speaker that came like this. Uh-huh. There you go. You're making the calls. Uh-huh. And my, and my colleagues would just laugh at me um, and they would tease me. But, you know, I did. I remember being really sick like a couple of times during yeah. those years and I was burnt out. I was yeah. burning myself out. But I would literally stay after school to work on my business. Yeah, right. Stay after school. And I would be so excited about my business. I would spend my weekends working on my business. And the way in which I balanced that, I was a part-time professor. Mm. Only taught, uh, I think it was twice, two evenings a week. And then, of course, I was a full-time teacher. I had an assistant. So I had an assistant who helped me, who graded papers for me. And then um, in terms of my, my, my professorship, I, um, you know, I would balance that by doing my grading, like in the classroom and things of that nature. So I didn't have to take it home with me. And it was easy enough where I was teaching speech. So I would do all of my grading right there. So I would do my, they would do their speech. I would be grading them as they're speaking. So that sort of helped. That did, yeah. Uh, and yeah. And then as far as my business went, I was just so crazy passionate about it. I was passionate about education. I was passionate about being an entrepreneur that it never felt like work. You know, yeah, you no, know, what I, mean I do that. know exactly what you mean. So this never felt like work, but I was completely burning myself out. And the reason being is because I was making pennies teaching and I needed this other income. Yeah. It's not so much that I just wanted it. I needed it. Yeah, sure. And, you know, so I just came to a point where I really didn't have an option but to do that. And I didn't want to go pick up another job because I'm, I really wasn't employable even then. I love the, um, I love the resilience of, of an entrepreneur when, you know, you, you, you just use the phrase, I had to, I needed to. You know, when as an entrepreneur, we have the ability, the skill to be able to, to be back against the wall and say, I'm, I'm it. It's down to me. I can do it. You know, as hard as it is, it comes down to that. I know when you're speaking to you speak a lot about resilience and you speak a lot about entrepreneurship. When you're, when you're standing on the stage, I, is your audience uh, typically people who are um, wanting to get into that field or are you talking to students at that time? Like who, who do you typically speak to when you're, when you're traveling and speaking about, about those topics? So that's a great question. Um, I typically speak to women. So yep. I speak to a lot of women who either have businesses or want to start businesses. So speaking at conferences and speaking at workshops. Um, but I also speak to young people. Ironically enough, I sent out a few uh, messages to some uh, school principals recently so that I could go in because I want to start volunteering my time more and speaking to high school, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and middle school students about entrepreneurship. Mm. <clears throat> so... With that being said, I'm sorry, I have a little froggy in my throat. So I have crazy sinus allergies. Oh, right. Up at times like this. No, of course. And it's always the, the least convenient times of all. Absolutely. So, so, so we were talking about uh, speaking to these okay. audiences. Yeah. And so my, um, initially when I first started speaking, I was speaking to students because that was my background. I was a classroom teacher, college professor, um, and I loved young people. But I started speaking to students and I started speaking to women from the onset. And my initial topics, which you won't find anywhere on, you know, LinkedIn or anywhere like that, 
was I was speaking on um, addiction, family addiction. Wow. And I was speaking on the power of forgiveness because I am the adult child of two addicts. And that's how I started my speaking career. Wow. Going to churches, speaking at churches, speaking for women's organizations, speaking, um, having my own platform and speaking um, and inviting people to hear me speak about the power of forgiveness. Yeah. And people started hiring me to speak for, for youth conferences and to talk to young people about forgiveness and women and churches. And so that's how I started speaking. And that topic of resilience and resiliency came because of what I just mentioned, the fact that I was the adult child of two drug addicted parents and I was the oldest child. So that, that topic is um, a recurring conversation and a recurring theme in my life. Wow. Amazing. And um, so let's, let's drill on that a bit, if, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. When you're, when you're talking to the, to the audiences, do you still, you still have that sort of background, that, that foundation around forgiveness and around the, uh, the, the resilience, let's use the word, to, to keep going in amongst um, terrible circumstances? Like, do you, do you still feel that as a calling when, you, when you're talking to groups of people? Is that still the baseline of your message? It's completely the baseline of my message. You know, uh, friends and colleagues and people who know my story progressively, they always talk to me, even though, even if I don't bring up this topic of resilience, they always, people always say to Ray, how do you keep going? How do you seem so positive when you're going through all these things? And that is the baseline. The baseline is that at a very early age, some of the most resilient people that we'll ever meet are the people who had the most challenges in their lives, mm. who went through the most obstacle, obstacles in their lives. If you look at some of the most resilient people in the world and you ask them their story, it will connect back to their childhood. Mm. And so there is no way that I can speak to people without talking about that yeah. and walk what happened over time was that, you know, I got a new story to tell, to build on. I yeah. went through a terrible, terrible divorce um, about three years ago. Uh, I got divorced and it was devastating for me because I got married after 40 wow. and was divorced a year and a half later. Wow. And it was, it was very unexpected. So a new layer of my story sort of emerged out of that because the same year I got a divorce was the same year that I was pretty much homeless. Yep. The same year that I ended up in the hospital and almost died from a pulmonary embolism, had wow. multiple blood clots on my lungs and moved to a new city and had to start all over and starting all over in a place where I knew no one. In fact, when I came to visit Maryland, I was just visiting. I was trying to see if I wanted to live here. And I started feeling ill and I checked myself into Johns Hopkins and ended up there for six days because I had a massive pulmonary embolism. Wow. One years old. And I was completely just, I, I think I was 42, something like that. I was 42. And I was completely like devastated because I could not believe that that was a diagnosis. Wow. That is you know. that's amazing. So how's your, how's your empathy then? Like, do you, do you have, um, I'm, I'm curious, so I won't put words into your mouth. When, when you meet somebody and they tell you all their reasons why they can't do something, how's your empathy? Do you, do you, do you have that voice in the back of your head that says, don't come to me with your problems because, you know, I can just eliminate all of them with, with one foul swoop. Or do you have, wow, that must be tough. Like I, 
as a, as a guy, I know that men just don't have that emotional connection. So I'm fascinated to know how's your empathy when you're in that coffee shop situation and you've got that person in front of you who's, who's throwing their excuses your way. That question right there is amazing. I have never had someone to ask me that. And when you say, you know, do you have that in the back of your head? Like, don't bring it to me. It's never in the back of my head. Yeah. It's, always comes out my mouth. It's, it's on the front of your tongue. All right, cool. <laughs> it always comes out my mouth. And people, you know, I was coaching for a while and I was particularly coaching women to help them start their businesses and such. And I just realized I have a lot of empathy, but I have no room for BS. Like, yeah, absolutely. Not just BS, just excuses. Yeah. And even when I have, I have had my own excuses, I have friends who are in my circle who their job is to tell me to stop with the excuses. Mm. Stop. Yes. So I'm really sort of a no nonsense type of person. I will give you so much empathy and love and understanding, but I will not let you wallow in excuses. I love it. It's not me. I don't think I don't think you'd be being a good friend, coach, role model, a mentor if you did that. If you if you wrapped your arms around that person and says, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear that," I don't think you're doing them any favors. Like I think you know, having lived through what you've lived through and to come out as the amazing person on the other side, I think you have the 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 um, the responsibility is probably the wrong word, but the the ability. Let's say the ability to take that person and say, "Hey." Stop it. There doesn't need to be that wall that you put enough in front of yourself. Absolutely. And Walter, I, I, you know, it is a responsibility. Here's why I believe it's a responsibility. It's because I tell people all the time, I tell people I've coached, I tell people when I speak that everything that happens in our lives is a gift. And that means every single thing that happens in your life is a gift. The good, the bad, the ugly. And it may not be a gift for you. It's a gift for someone else. So you have to give it away. Nice. You have to give away your testimony. You have to give away your story. And so it's not for you. So when I've gone through the things I've gone through, it would be irresponsible of me to sit and allow you to tell me all this stuff you've gone through. Listen, we all have a story. And I'll give you mine as a gift to tell you that no matter what you've gone through, you can get through anything. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I, um, uh, one of our first guests, and uh, I think it was episode number two, was talking about that exact same thing. We, we were saying, um, stop, stop the story, stop the, the, the monologue that you're, that you're so used to delivering. Like, you know, we get into that mode where, oh, my God, and then this, and then that happened, and whoa, 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 stop. That story finishes right now and you get to choose the ending. You get to choose the ending. I told the divorce story for so long, but I wasn't telling it because I felt sorry for myself. Mm. I was telling it because I knew that there were some other people who couldn't get past their story. Yeah, right. I knew that at some point I would get past that. I knew that at some point that I wouldn't be angry anymore and all of that, but I knew that I had to give that story away to heal someone else. And that in giving it away, I was healing myself. I love it. So, you know, we can't wallow in the story, but don't forget the story and don't forget the fact that the story is a blessing and there's a lesson and there's yeah. a room to grow. 
Definitely. I love it. So, Teray, let's, let's talk business. I, I think this is uh, unbelievably fascinating. So let's talk business. Now we've got uh, an opportunity, you and I, um, before we clicked on record, we're, we're catching up a coffee in a little while, which I'm, I'm excited about. Um, but you and I have an opportunity. Like, let's, let's just play a game. We have an opportunity, you and I, to, to, to stand on stage together and to talk to a room full of people who want to start their own business but are fearful about that. And they don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to how to get that kind of first yeah. steps going. What would be what would be the things that you would like to talk to that audience about, and how would you help them take those first few steps forward? The first thing for anyone who wants to start a business, and especially when you have fear, is to get honest and to um, be aware of your why. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Why? is what's going to put all, is going to, that fear is going to be pushed to the side if your why is big enough. And I've heard someone say that if your why doesn't make you cry, it ain't big enough. Mm. And so many people allow their fears to be bigger than their whys. Mm. And your fear cannot be bigger than your why. Your why must be bigger than your fears. Mm. Because the only, the only way you're going to get through those lean moments those moments when people tell you no, the rejection is if you have a big enough why. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would tell them, that if you start right there, and if you always remember, I have a quote up in my house, it's like everywhere in my house. And the quote says, remember why you started. If you, if you have your why, and if you remember why you started, you'll never go back. You'll never say, I want to quit. Mm. I, I don't want to do this anymore. If your why is big enough, if it's your children, if it's an elderly parent, if it's the fact that you grew up poor and you never want to be poor again and you know what it's like to eat out of trash cans and to sleep on someone else's floor. Like if your why is big enough, you'll never you'll never let fear stop you from doing what it is you want to do in business. Mm. That's number one. And number two, you know, we think that our business always has to be about something we're passionate about. It does not. My grandfather wasn't passionate about driving a truck. You know, my grandfather was a really good cook and, you know, he's a great gardener, all these things. But your business is, you look at what the need is. I used to try and start businesses based on what I wanted people to want or have, right? Yeah. Yeah. But a business is is started based on on a need. Yeah. Do people need and want what it is you have to give? And if they do, then great. Jump in and start that business. But don't be, um, so many times people are afraid to start the business, even when they know that there is a need. And yeah. once again, it goes back to number one. What is your why? And if your why is big enough, start the business. Yeah, okay. Go surround yourself with people. And, and, and the, the third thing I would tell them is to surround yourself with people who are entrepreneurs, people who are doing what you're doing, people who are talking the same lingo, lingo the same language. Yeah. If you don't have a, people around you who are also in this crazy world of entrepreneurship, you will fail every time because the regular folks who are, you know, the, the folks who are the nine to fivers who, who, you know, trapped in the job and yeah, they don't get entrepreneurs and yeah. it's okay. 
but you must surround yourself with a group of people who get you. Yeah, who definitely. Speak the language. Yeah, exactly. And there's enough resources. I mean, uh, I, I can hear that person in the car right now listening to this podcast going, but I don't know anybody. I'm so isolated. There's enough resources out there. There's so many podcasts and, and YouTube channels and Facebook groups and, you know, LinkedIn groups of entrepreneurs and getting started people that you can tap into. So there's plenty of people in the world that will talk your same language. Yes, my best groups are Facebook groups. Yeah. I, I'm a member of so many Facebook groups. I just went to a conference in uh, January, a Facebook group I've been in for two years. I didn't get active until August of last year. And I have made so many connections and friendships with people who are in business and they are seven, seven and eight figure business earners, uh, wow. business owners. Fantastic. And a Facebook group. Yeah. Amazing. That's, that's so cool. I'm going to ask you for the link to that group after we're done. Cause I'd, love to, I'd love to come and check it out as well. Um, Ture, when, when we're talking about business, so I love what you said before about you don't have to start a business around something that you're passionate about because we hear that message all the time, right? We hear that message all the time. Hey, you're a really good cook. Why don't you take that into creating a cookbook or something? You know, it doesn't have to be about that. I love what you said about creating a business around a need and, and using your why, like, you know, uh, you were talking about your, your granddad and the freedom that he had with the, with the trucking business and being able to go for an ice cream with the grandkids when they popped in. Um, that is so amazingly cool that it doesn't matter about how it happens. You know, the how is driving the trucks and coordinating all the drivers and doing all that sort of stuff. But the why is so that I can have an ice cream with the grandkids when they come into, you know, to pop in. So like when we talk about that and a lot of, a lot of advice out there to people who want to start businesses is around that passion path. And I think it's so much more valuable to, to put a profit path in front of the passion so that it can, you can use it as a means to an ends, right? Absolutely. You know, when I was doing uh, my drama smarts business, I was doing it because I love drama. Yeah, I love kids and I love teaching. Right. And so initially I was the only teaching artist. So I would send myself out and hire myself out. And then I said, well, I can make more money if I hire out other teachers. Yeah, right. So I started interviewing and um, auditioning other teaching artists. So I started sending them into the schools. Well, guess what happened? Once I sent them into the schools, now I was no longer able to be a teaching artist myself because I was managing people. There you go. And in managing them, it drove me crazy because now I was, I was running a business where I didn't really get to do what I loved doing, which was teaching kids and doing theater. But the problem with that was that I could only send myself out so many times. That's it. I had to multiply myself. But in multiplying myself, that meant that I had to now manage people. Yep. So everything that you think you want to do is not always very profitable <clears throat> as a solopreneur yep. sort of uh, passion-based business. Mm. And you have to be certain that you want to, one, manage people <clears throat> or run a business. Um, and, that's what I, and that's what I learned from doing Drama Smarts, yep. that I didn't really manage people like that. And my new business venture and my new passion, because it's a passion, it, it, my new business is, um, but it also is a business wherein I don't have to do the things I don't want to do. I want t- I wanted time and money freedom. And mm. the new business gave me both. Fantastic. I love it. And, and we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to that in, in, in just a second. Um, what would you, what's your proudest 
achievement so far, Terrain? Like, if you look back on, on the journey that you've been through, what's the, what's the thing that you, you, st- you hang your hat on and say, wow, that was, that was an incredible achievement? <laughs> you're you're sort of you can't really see it but it's like i can see the seal at the bottom there tell me about that is that the honorary that's your honorary doctorate right yes wow it's my honorary doctorate degree yeah wow and, uh, hang on a second the the adult child of two drug addicted parents has an honorary phd on her wall how is that that's amazing <laughs> you know um so in 2014, I was hired to be the commencement speaker at Indiana Tech University. And um, about that Thursday... Are you going to cry, Teray? Are you going to cry? Okay. Sinus allergies. People always think I'm going to cry. My, my eyes are horrible. They make me look like a crier. No, no, no. I was just thinking this is such an emotional thing. I can feel you. You're doing the introductory speech. I can feel it happening right now. I'm like, I'm so excited for it. Um, it's just such a, an exciting moment, you know, for me. And so I was hired to speak at this uh, at the university on a Saturday. On that Thursday, the president's assistant calls me up and she's like, listen, Teray, I have to tell you this because I don't want you to be caught off guard. But the board of trustees has decided to give you an honorary doctorate degree. Wow. 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 I was like, what? <laughs> wow. So how did it happen? Like, you, did you do the speech and then they were like, hey, Teray, before you jump off the stage, we've got something for you? Well, no. So I knew. And so they just like had, it was just amazing. So they put us up. So I said, well, my sister and my, her kids have to come. And my grandfather, my, my grandmother and my father have to come. And so they paid for all of us to come. They gave wow. us a seat. Um, it was just amazing. They had, uh, they had a, a huge breakfast for just my family and I and the board of trustees the morning of, um, they had a dinner set for us that evening of, it was just amazing. That's and so I knew I was going to receive it and, um, it was in the program and everything. And I went and I, I spoke and, and before, and after I spoke, I think they awarded me the honorary doctorate. They gave me my cap, my gown, uh, my tap. They moved my tassel. It just, it, it was just wow. mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. And it was mind-blowing because for years I had been trying to get a PhD. I was like, oh, I want to go to school and get a PhD. I want to get a PhD. And um, it, was, it, it was humbling. And it was, it was one of those moments when you realize that, Everything you think you need, you don't. Wow. And, and, or, or everything you think you need, sometimes you already have it. So I had everything in me, all of the experiences, because, you know, it says that whereas you've been an actress and you've been an educator and you've been an arts administrator and you've been an author and a speaker, whereas, 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 this is why we're giving you this honorary doctorate. And so it was for my, my list of things I had accomplished over my lifespan, you know, that I had never really given myself a lot of credit for. And the world really doesn't. The world doesn't really, you know, look at our lives in its totality and say, wow, you really have job, done yeah. unless you're in corporate America. But when you've been working like me as an artist, a teaching artist, as an entrepreneur, as an author, speaker, and you have a hodgepodge of accomplishments that you've, uh, you know, achieved, 
It's not always that people look at you and say, wow, these are great achievements. Let's give you this. Wow. And it was just, I was That's fantastic. That is, that is so cool, Dre. It's like, you know, the, the formal recognition and a dream to achieve, you know, but you already had what you needed. And there was uh, just an acknowledgement of that. I absolutely love it. So that's, that is an incredible achievement. And as we then move, then you were saying that it's been four or five years since you've been working for yourself and, and not reliant on anybody else. So you've been self-creating, which is cool. I'm sure along that way, you've had some highs and lows as well. You would have the achievements and the lows. What's been your, what's been your biggest, whoops, that was a mistake moment. And what did you learn from that along the way? My biggest, whoops, that was a mistake moment, (laughs) is uh, just even quite recently, it was last year where I was, I had terayhomes.com, which was my speaking and coaching business. And I was doing the the coaching and the speaking because, particularly the speaking, the coaching, coaching, because someone said, well, people are always coming to you for business advice. You should just become a coach. And in being in that space, it was such an overcrowded space. It is. Mm. And it's not only just an overcrowded space. um, You have to be, sometimes you have to be more committed to the outcome for people than they offer themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was in that and I was struggling. I was struggling to make money. I was struggling to... um, I was getting clients, but you're always sort of repeating, always trying to figure it out, you know, and trying to um, every single month you're starting over with these clients, you know, trying to find new clients and new products and new services. And it wasn't feeling right in my gut. It wasn't feeling right in my gut. And I was also at the same time, I had my real estate license. I had just gotten them. And I had always told myself that as a real estate agent, once I got my license, I was only going to be an investor. Well, I was trying to do the traditional real estate, you know, sort of helping buyers and helping sellers. And I hated it. I hated it. Why? Because I went against what I always told myself I wasn't going to do. Yeah. And when I decided to say, this is my year of yes, 2020, my year of yes. When I decided to say yes to my new business, Lily and Eve, I said no to coaching and I said no to being a real estate agent in that fashion. Mm. And when I said yes to Lillian Eve, and I said yes to really pursuing my, my business as a real estate investor, the game changed. My wow. income changed. Everything changed. And I guess your peace, your, your inner uh, feeling of, yes. of completeness would have changed as well. Absolutely. I was at ease. I didn't feel stressed. I didn't feel like, I, I felt like I was, I was forcing myself to do this. Yep. And I, saying for the past like three or four years, because I did this for about four years in terms of the business coaching and not very successfully. It's not that I wasn't successful in being a coach because I I coached my clients well. I was unsuccessful in running that business because that business is not, when I talk about, you don't have to do everything you're passionate about. I'll give that away to women. I don't want to charge because I don't want to, and I'm not saying I won't charge. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it was such a passion of mine that once I started doing it as a business, mm. it felt like business. It felt like work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't. It didn't have that same joy and the juice. You felt like you needed to make the booking. You needed to get another speaking spot or or whatever, exactly. rather than just coming from a, a natural place. Um, I, I find that amazing. So from a from a lessons learned point of view, and so many entrepreneurs find themselves in that position where they've where they've created a job 
for themselves that they don't like anymore. Um, <sighs> but one of the great things about being an entrepreneur, as you're finding out, especially with Lily and Eve, which is uh, lilyandeve.com, by the way, guys, you can go and check it out. It's an amazing uh, range of gift uh, options, etc. It looks really incredible. Um, but one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is you get to wipe the slate and start again. And you can do that as many times as you like. And I know that there's financial implications of all that kind of stuff, but nine times out of 10, a project invested in with, with very little capital and that kind of stuff can be created into something of huge value monetarily. Uh, and you get to change those rules again. Okay, I'm not happy with this. Right, cool, sell that off, start something else, close that down, start something else. As an entrepreneur, you have that unique gift to be able to clean slate and start again and, and design it the way you really do want it. What I tell um, when I was coaching and when I speak on business, because I still speak and talk about business and entrepreneurship, what entrepreneurs, what most newbie entrepreneurs don't get is that when you decide you want to create a business, you need to decide what type of lifestyle you want. I think that's so important. If you don't create your business around the type of lifestyle you want, you will be miserable. As Robert Kiyosaki said, you will own a job, not a And there is a difference between owning a job and owning a business. And when you own a job, it owns you. Uh And I had to learn that through trial and error. So I do not want to create a business where it own a a business where it owned me, essentially it being a job. Mm. I wanted to truly create a business that could survive on its own and, um, you know, and sort of have a a life of its own. And yeah, that didn't need you. It needed, it, it could be created. Uh, independently of you. Yeah, definitely. You reference um, reference Robert Robert Kiyosaki. I've got a a lot of his books. And actually, my my entrepreneurial journey started with with Rich Dad Poor Dad and then Retire Young, Retire Rich and Cashflow Quadrant, et cetera. And I was playing Cashflow with my kids over the weekend and I'm still learning. Uh, I was amazed how much I took away from that game. But what are the books, Tere, what are the books or media or, or courses that you've taken that have made a big impact on you? So I love Gary Keller, who is the founder of Keller Williams. I love his book called The One Thing. I love it too. Have you read it? Yeah, I've got a copy of it too. It's, that book is, is just like every entrepreneur needs to read that. I think it's the biggest stress eliminator, that book. It's the biggest stress eliminator. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, I love it. And, and you know, the, the concept of what is the one thing that's going to make the most amount of impact and make everything else irrelevant. And you talked about having burnout before. Um, was it that message that was an, enabled you to get through that? Because it, it was read- for me. I, I have to say it was for me. It was like, yeah, okay, um, I'm, I completely have no energy. I can't even get out of bed in the morning. What's the one thing that I can do that's going to have the biggest impact? I read that book quite recently within the mm. past two years. And I would say that that's probably why I made the decisions I did to leave some of the things I did behind. Nice. Because it was that. And it's funny that, um, you know, like I tell you, everything is a blessing and everything. There's a lesson in everything. And my ex-husband used to say, um, he used to say, what's the priority? Mm. And I live with that to this day. I still keep that in the back of my mind. What's the priority? What's the one thing? What is the, and it, it always go, goes back to what's the one thing. Mm. And so, um, so that was, that was such a, a phenomenal book for me. And so, so life changing. And it did, it relieved me. It released me. 
yeah. from just all the stresses that I had about I have to be, you know, as entrepreneurs, we always have something new coming up. There's, right? a, there's an, always an ongoing list. It never ceases. Absolutely. And so, so, so another thing, the course, um, Lisa Nichols is someone that I love and I follow and she is like a mentor of mine. And her course, uh, Speaking speaking Right to Make Millions, that's one of the most phenomenal courses I've ever taken. But the reason being is because Lisa and her team show you what it looks like to be exceptional as facilitators, wow. as leaders, that's as speakers. And, that, and I love, love, love that course. Quite recently, I went to a course called Traffic Sales Profit. Um, a guy, Lamar Tyler and Ronnie Tyler, the, the husband and wife team. And they specifically run a course is for African-American business owners only. They really are specific to that market because they realize how underserved that market is. They are making seven figure and eight figure business owners. And that course, Traffic Sales Profit that I went to back in January was absolutely the best teaching I have ever had. Um, in terms of, they also perform in excellence as a team in terms mm-hmm. of how they deliver their their uh, training. But the content was absolutely, and what I loved about it was that they didn't try and sell you anything. Mm. But they poured into you. They gave you everything they had to give because yeah. you paid for it. That's and it wasn't an upselling on the end. And I yeah. love them for that. That's cool. Um, so those were some of the best trainings. Um, I love Martha Stewart's book. Uh, she has a, her, her book that she wrote when she was in prison or when she first came out. Um, and oh my God, I can't think of the name of it, but that book was also a game changer for me. Just learning how this woman created this, this, she calls it Martha. It used to be called Martha Stewart Omnimedia. And just, I love her business acumen. And I learned so much about business from even reading her book. Fantastic. Unreal. I, I love the fact that um, uh, you're, a, you're an avid learner as well. I mean, the courses that you did were, were weeks ago. The books that you read were, were weeks ago. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, you know, that, that you've let slip. Tere, what's something that uh, people would find surprising about you? That I'm a, uh, a slight recluse. Nice. Okay. All right. You like your space? Oh my God. I love being by myself. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to impact on that for such a short amount of time. And, uh, you know, I, I really am truly grateful to, uh, to be allowed in that circle. The reason why people would be finding strange is because I love people. Yeah. But when you love people and you're always around people, which you value most is time alone. I, I completely hear it. I understand completely. I'm the same way. In fact, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing better than, than uh, a glass of red wine and a book and the couch and, you know, just that half an hour of peace, man, I'll take that all day, every day. So that's cool. I like it. Tere, are you, are you a goal setter? You mentioned before that, um, uh, you know, striving for that PhD was something that you just had inside you as you, you really had to, you know, put that value. And now you can see it up on the wall. I know you're heading for your MBA as well. Are you a goal setter? Do you have a, a regimen of goals and achievements or are you just, you know, fly by life kind of thing? Um, I am a, I'm a goal setter, mm-hmm. but I, I, I have a little fly by life, a little, I have a little fly by life in me, but uh, for the most part, I am a goal setter. And what people also don't know about me, I, my friends and I were just talking about this. I just came back from a trip to Italy. I just got back like three days ago. I was in Milan for my no. birthday. And one of the things I was telling them is like, 
some of the things I've accomplished when I moved to Abu Dhabi, people were like, where, where did that come from? Mm. Well, that was a goal of mine. And just because I don't talk about my goals doesn't mean that it you don't, have them. You don't yeah. have them. And so there are so many goals I have that people don't know about and that I privately and secretly know about. And when I come out with these big, extraordinary things, they're like, where did that wow. come from? <laughs> and you've had it on the list for so long. I've had it on my list. I journal. I journal like, you know, <laughs> constantly and so when when yeah when i come out with these big old things they're like damn what did, how did that happen where did why, why is that just the spur of the thing and you've been thinking about it for months and months i love it so Teray, i'm so grateful for your time and you know the the message that that you are able to take out to to women to entrepreneurs to people uh about achieving freedom in their lives overcoming that uh negative environment to create something for themselves and you're such uh, a shining light example of making that a reality. Uh, I'm so grateful for the chance to come and meet with you and, and to chat with you and for the for the message given. Um, talking of goals, I think it will be amazing to wrap up with with where will we see you heading from here? I know you've got lilyandeve.com and that's, that's the new business that you've put a, a lot of uh, thought and design into the lifestyle behind it. Um, but what are the goals that we'll see? What are the, the things that we'll see uh, happening in your world? So... Lily and Eve is my baby. It's named after both of my grandmothers, uh, Lily, who passed away from ovarian cancer in 2016, and my my grandmother, Evelyn, who is 95 years old and just kicking right now. Nice. I love it. And so Lily and Eve is really um, building it out as a lifestyle brand, adding travel excursions for people to go abroad. Um, adding uh, cooking classes, really creating a business that's really um, sort of uh, tailored to how Martha Stewart did her business with Martha Stewart Omnimedia. She's like a, a mentor of mine. She doesn't yep. know what she is. And, um, and another woman, B. Smith, B. Smith and Martha Stewart, B. Smith, an African-American woman, Martha Stewart, they both had very similar business brands. And that's really where I see Lily and Eve going, Love having it. that brand that really helps people with, you know, real estate and with lifestyle and travel and food, because all of those things and home, home decor, all of those things are just like, just mean so much to me and p- packaging those things up. And so Lily and Eve doesn't, it's not just a gift shop that caters to women who have pretty particular tastes just like me, but it's also um, a, a lifestyle brand that really caters to, to women and those folks who want experiences, who want to Love experience it. life in a very different way. So just really pushing that brand, um, really getting out there. I hope to one day be on a reality TV show, maybe doing some cooking or something and, um, you know, just expanding it as much as I can on the lifestyle Thanks. side. So. Fantastic, and I love I love the fact that it's uh, that it's named after your grandmothers, and it is about the lifestyle because you can imagine the grandmothers in their happiness, you know, at that peak of their life, talking about the experiences that they've had in your in their lives, and you want to bring that to people through LillianEve.com. Teray, thank you so much for the for the opportunity to uh, to bounce back and forth with you. I've really valued the message. I can't wait to hear of the success of everything moving forward and and uh, seeing all that happen. And when I'm when I'm heading to Washington in a couple of weeks, I, I can't wait for that coffee as well. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been amazing. Thank you, Walter. So appreciate you. Awesome to see you. Thanks, Teray.
Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. It's Walt, and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there, so you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.